0: You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 21. You're talking about putting your
1: fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life. But isn't that like cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana.
0: It is so
1: refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box.
0: This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by Kingsters for Kingsters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now, your hosts, Cassie and Rigel.
1: Hey guys, welcome back for another Q&A episode. This is uh, the last episode where we're going to have some of those questions that got lost in the upside down. We've got a lot of sex-oriented questions today. So these questions include, am I a kinky person or a vanilla person trying kink? If I have a small dick, should I wear a strap on? And why do women run when I tell them? I'm straight. Why do I like lesbian porn? When's the right time to take a fantasy out of your head and into real life in the bedroom? Uh, and we've got a few more. Uh, We're also going to talk a little bit about our New Year's Eve party that we just had. It was awesome. Panic at the Playhouse in Baltimore. And we'll tell you how you can sign up for our mailing list if you want to be notified about our future events. All right, here we go. All right, everybody. So welcome to our first podcast episode of the new year. And there are a lot of cool things going on into the new year. You want to start? Well, let's start with new year.
0: So we had our New Year's Eve party in Baltimore, the Panic at the Playhouse, and it was a lot of fun. We had a good turnout and lots of stuff going on. It was super busy with the different demos and uh, the crazy poly speed dating thing and everything else. And I had a ton of fun.
1: Yeah, we had so we had a, a kinky sex positive play party we usually do for New Year's. Um, in Baltimore at the Baltimore Playhouse. We've been doing it. This was what our our third one. It's actually the first time I've been able to make it just because of how my schedule fell. Um, But so we did that and it was awesome. We had a great turnout. There was lots of play going on. Um, The needle demo, we had a needle demo that was really cool. We had a poly speed dating thing that dissolved when four people started making out in the middle of the speed dating.
0: It kind of ruined it.
1: (laughs) What else did we do that was fun? We seen with a we played with a partner we haven't played with in a while.
0: I think that was more fun for us than everybody else. Well, people probably enjoyed watching it, but we got to play with a partner we haven't gotten to play with in a while, and that was a lot of fun.
1: And Cassie got to step on her with her super gay boots and pull out her fuck saw for the first time in a while.
0: I have the most awesome boots ever for stomping. I feel like linking in the show notes to my boots because they're You amazing.
1: want to put in a picture of your boots yes. in the show notes? Cool. Yes. Atouchofflavor.com forward slash zero two one because Cassie wants to put a picture of her super gay boots.
0: They're amazing. So we did that and we had our spank down. Well,
1: for- you got to say why they're super gay and why they're awesome if you're going to to put a picture in the show notes.
0: They're super gay because they are rainbow and sparkly. So they're... Doc Martens, they're leather, but on the outside, they're sparkles and rainbow. So they're the type of boots you would expect to see like a magical unicorn wearing stomping down
1: the road. But they work very good for stepping on people instead of stepping on the road. So that was fun. And we had to spank down to New Year's. And there was all kinds of good stuff going on. There was a lot of play. There was a lot of sex, which was awesome, especially as the night went on.
0: And DJ Diesel was out, which just made the whole atmosphere awesome. He's like one of our favorite DJs to have out to things because he just keeps the place popping and lets everything run real smooth by making announcements and all that. So it was awesome having him out as well.
1: Yeah. So that was great. And uh, we we do this, uh, I, I think we're planning on doing it this upcoming year again. So you missed a great time if you didn't come and you're local. And you should join us next year. And uh, yeah, if you're on our mailing list already, you'll be getting an email when that goes out. Uh, And I'll tell you what, I'll put a a, a link in the show notes that you can sign up for our mailing list if you're not already on it, so you can get notified about that. And we don't do a ton of events, um, but we we do do a few events uh, throughout the year in the Baltimore area, and that's one. Uh, What else is going on going into the new year? Well, I will will say something that will... uh, be good for our podcast listeners, which is uh, I am switching jobs at the end of the this month, which is currently January. Um, so I'm going to be switching jobs, which is good for you guys, because I'm sure you've noticed that the podcast, we haven't been able to do it quite every week the last little bit. I've had a lot of uh, a lot of confliction with my job with trying to get these edited and out because I do all that stuff. Uh, but uh, we should very easily be able to go back to once a week at that point, which will be awesome. I'm super excited to get it back to once a week because I was really happy we were doing it. And it's just life has not been cooperative with trying to podcast that often.
0: And I'll be able to fucking beat you more. So I'm pretty excited about that.
1: So Cassie's about to have a better year too. All right. So we got some more of your questions today. This is our last episode with some of those questions that got lost in the upside down. If you listen to our podcast the last time you heard that for a little while, our uh, our form on our website was not sending us emails with the questions. And, and it kind of fell through the cracks because we get most of our questions from Facebook and uh, just people reaching out and other th- emailing us back and other things like that. So it actually took us a while to figure it out. So uh, a couple of the questions on here have been waiting for a while and we apologize and it's now fixed. So that won't happen anymore.
0: We're sorry.
1: So you want to start?
0: All right. So our first question is from Lauren, who's 36 from Maryland. I identify myself as a vanilla person, but now I'm slightly confused as I get more familiar with the kink world through TOF. I've participated in kink type play with my boyfriend, now husband, in the past, including anal and light bondage. For years, the following types of kink activities are things have had fantasies about. Um on a regular basis. Um, When she's trying to get into the moods, things such as voyeurism, rape scenarios, casual, anonymous sex, and medical play, to name a few. So her questions are, she's curious to know how an individual knows when it may be time to bring a fantasy out of one's brain and into the reality of the bedroom.
1: Yeah, I think the answer is as soon as you want to and can get your partner to agree to it. I mean, as as long as it's something that's not hurting anybody uh, and you want to do it, I don't see any good reason not to.
0: Yeah, typically what I would say to that is at the point where the fantasy sounds so good that you want to make it a reality, it's time to make it a reality.
1: Yeah, so... Uh, if you know, as long as it's something you can get your partner to agree to do, and it's something you want to do, I think the time to bring it out uh, is now. Now I will throw, uh, just a couple of things on caveats on that, which is, you know, some of this stuff, uh, that you're fantasizing about is stuff that you want to learn about. Um, you may not want to hop into medical play is one. Um, rate scenarios depending on the scenario. You know, these are things that you wanna you wanna research, you want to educate yourself on. You may, and it depending on your relationship with your boyfriend, you know, maybe something to try with an experienced partner. I mean, not that you can't learn about it and try it with your boyfriend, but just just make sure you're educated about these things. Like the right time to ring it out is when you want to, you know. But on the other hand, if you've never picked up a single tail before, you don't just pick it up and smack the shit out of your partner with it because you're fantasizing about it. You gotta learn what you're doing first. So I think the time is now, but just make sure that you're learning what you need to learn to stay safe. And what is the second part of her question?
0: How do you define the line between a vanilla person experimenting with kink play versus a vanilla person discovering their inner kinkster?
1: I I don't know.
0: Tomato, tomato?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I would say that you're kind of drawing a line there that doesn't need to exist. Our, our definition of kinky has always been anything that's a little bit outside the norm in the bedroom that makes you happy.
0: Yeah, I think we get caught up on these labels of trying to keep ourselves away from being identified as a kinkster, or not feeling good kinky at, enough, kinky enough. Um, we actually have an article that um, one of the people who worked in our company uh, years ago wrote that was, am I kinky enough? And it's this whole idea of her feeling like she wasn't kinky enough. She worked for a kink business. She engaged in play, things like that. And she even herself was wondering, am I kinky enough? And the answer is, this isn't something where you're looking to like set a bar. It's whatever really makes you happy.
1: All right. Our second question is from uh, someone who wishes to remain anonymous. 39 years old in the Midwest. They're super anonymous. They're not even telling us a state. Uh, Do you have any tips for getting a non-kink partner interested in kink, especially without hurting their feelings. I found that my partner turned suggestions for kink into you're not good enough, and it tends to have a negative effect on our sex life. For the most part, I've given up asking, although it's still very clear that I'm interested.
0: Well, I think it's something that you probably don't want to stop pursuing. If kink is something that's going to make you happy, is something that you need to do to be fulfilled, it might be something that you don't want to put on the back burner and ignore. And I do think it's helpful to make sure that you are having these conversations because you're saying that you're getting to the point of not even asking. And I think that's not really helping the problem. That's probably just putting a bandaid on it for right now.
1: Yeah. So I wrote a podcast episode a while back. I wrote a podcast episode. I wrote a blog post. I'm podcasting too much. I wrote a blog post a while back called You're Not Alone, Finding a Kinky Partner. And... Uh, I actually, part of that article, I address, um, you know, how you can go about maybe introducing an existing partner to kink. You know, and this used to be kind of the main way that people before FetLife and the internet and, uh, you know, the community, the kink community being so large, this was the main way that people tried to get kinky partners. Like, if you read back to like like uh, books that were written a while ago, like SM101 by Jay Wiseman, you know, like. It's all advice on how to do this because you're not going to be able to go out and find a kinky person. So, a, a couple of the ways uh, I'll tell you a couple of the ways that we we usually generally answer this question, and then I'll let Cassie answer it a little more general. First and foremost, I will say that we generally recommend because the community is so large now, uh, and there's so many options available to meet a kinky partner. That if you can, you know, if you know you're kinky and you know kink something, you're going to want. A lot of times you're better off looking for a kinky partner in the first place. Now, if you're already with a partner, you know, obviously that's not the case. I just want to throw that out there for other people who are listening who aren't you. It's a lot easier to find a kinky partner than it is to try and uh, convert somebody who may not be kinky. So that's that's the first thing. But if you are trying to introduce kink, there's a lot of things you can do. Some of these you may, you know, may not be quite so uh, covert now because she already knows that you're interested in kink. But, you know, some of the things we usually suggest are if you're really just trying to test out the waters, you know, you can leave out like accidentally leave out like a kinky book or leave a kinky article up and see how your partner responds to it. You can try kind of suggesting some things as dirty talk during sex because, you know, if it doesn't go well, you can always play that off later as, you know, I was just dirty talk during sex. Like You can get away with a lot more that's dirty talk during sex. Uh, And then you can also try really light things, working really light things into your play. Like maybe instead of tying somebody up with rope or, or, you know, manacles, you just hold their hands above their head or use a scarf, things like that. Like, you know, uh, you lightly scratch them or you try something with ice and light sensation play, things along those lines. So those are some easy starting places.
0: But eventually you're going to have to have the conversation. You're going to have to talk about it, especially if your partner while doing these things or trying to introduce them is kind of pushing you off and not really interested, that sort of thing. Um, Your partner may not be kinky and that's something you may have to deal with and figure out how you can get your kink needs met. But before deciding all that and doing all that, there does need to be a conversation at some point. And I think talking to your partner about the fact that it's not that they are not good enough, that there's something wrong with them, but bringing it back on what you're interested in and what your needs are and bringing it up in a way of like, these are fun things I'd like to try with you because I think we could have fun together if we try these things versus I'm not happy about not getting X, Y, and Z because that makes it a lot more, of a conversation around that person feeling like they're not providing you with something versus you wanting to share something with them. All right. Our next question is from Odessa 41 from Maryland. I've been in a power MS partnership for eight years. We did not live together. My sub willingly paid me homage for our time together. I'm not a financial dom nor pro dom, but he would give me money and gifts after a play session. I want to specify I never asked for these things. We have now broke up, and he wants the gifts and money back. I gave him the gifts back, but he keeps asking for the money that he has given me over eight years. I do not have it. He has left messages and sent emails stating, if I do not pay him back by the first few weeks of the new year, he will go to the police and tell them I'm a hooker. How serious is this situation, and what do you recommend I do?
1: Okay, so... How serious is the situation? Well, I mean, it's clearly serious in that it's scary, and you know he's he's threatening. I, I mean, this is what he's what he's doing is not okay at all. Um, I want to say that first of all, uh, uh, to be threatening to go to the police for something he agreed to, regardless of problematic, to be asking for things back at the end of a relationship is uh, just as, blows my mind. It really does. Because we all get things in a relationship to be going, I I, like, I want all the. That's
0: like Judge Judy. If you ever watch Judge Judy, Judge Judy gets all these cases where people come in and are like, I gave him or her X, Y, and Z while we were together. I want it back. And what Judge Judy constantly says is it's a gift. Once it's a gift, it was given. You don't expect to get it back.
1: Yeah, so that kind of goes into what I'd answered you, which is um, from a perspective of serious as far as anything actually happening to you legally. I'm gonna I'm gonna specify legally because obviously if he just goes around and starts telling people you're a prostitute, depending on uh, your your situation, you know where you work, your your circle of friends, that kind of thing, that could be uh, definitely cause an upset in your life. As far as legally, I don't think the police are really gonna care. I mean, the problem is, is that. Everybody in a relationship, I always, you know, I always say when people ask me about prostitution that I don't have a problem with it because everybody pays for sex in some way or another, right? With prostitution, you just know what the cost is up front, whether it's prostitution or whether you're going out and buying dinner with the, you know, with 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 the whatever. Everybody pays for it in some way or another, especially in a relationship, especially in a relationship. That's my point of view, uh, which goes to say that with him being in an eight-year relationship with you. Uh, he's going to have a really hard time trying to convince people that he paid you for sex. It, it just It's one of those things that just kind of defies common sense. Nobody's going to... I, I don't think that anybody's going to really expect that you were in a relationship for eight years, and at some point you weren't going to give him sex, and at some point he wasn't going to give you money. I, I, honestly, the only way that I feel that you would have a cause for concern here is if there were some kind of uh, maybe messages or something that were specifically... Uh, you could read as asking for money for sex directly. Uh, other than that, I think that you're fine from a legal point of view.
0: So do you have any recommendations in the case of if it uh, becomes an issue with family or friends or workspace, how she could possibly handle that?
1: Well, I have a couple. I mean, first off, if it becomes an issue legally and, and like for some reason the police actually do something, uh, I'd, I'd immediately call the NCSF, National Coalition for Sexual Freedom, or... Uh, Maybe, maybe Woodhull. Woodhull does a lot with, with sex workers, which you aren't one, but they are familiar with, you know, those kinds of claims. So that that's one possibility. Uh, as, as far as your family and friends, um, I mean, if he was to start taking stuff to your family and friends in that way, I mean, you could potentially go after him for harassment or stalking or black. I mean, in this case, uh, extortion, um, you know, it really depend on, on the situation, the specific situation at the time. But, you know, if he was to go after your family or your friends in an an attempt to get you to give him money, uh, you would actually have some legal recourse at that point. So uh, it's it's a shitty situation. Um, I wish you the best of luck with it. But I I think that you're going to be okay. All right. Our next question is from Megan, 21 years old, from Michigan. I'm a straight female, but I watch lesbian porn. I've noticed that it's not just me. Many people watch porn that is not in line with their sexual orientation. Why do we watch lesbian porn if we're straight? Why do we want to watch straight porn if we're lesbians? Cassie.
0: I think it really comes down to this whole idea of fantasy doesn't always equal what we want in reality. So for example, I'm more attracted to women. I usually want to do things with women, but occasionally I'll watch gay man porn, like because I think it's kind of hot at the time. So I think it really comes down to uh, what your fantasies are, what turns you on, because a lot of fantasies are, are just exactly that. That's why we have things like rape fantasy scenarios. We don't really want to be raped. We want to envisionize something that is a scenario that is close to that feeling, but not actually be raped. Um, so you might not actually be a lesbian or interested in women, but you still might find looking at a girl getting eaten out as hot. And also just from a perspective on oral sex, I personally have found that lesbian porn looks a lot hotter when it comes to girl on girl interactions, because it's more realistic than what you watch when you watch regular porn with a guy with a big cock, just banging the shit out of a girl for a long period of time. So it might be easier for you to identify with the girl who is getting more pleasure in that scenario than what Straight porn is really targeted for straight guys. Looks like,
1: yeah. There's actually a whole genre of, of feminist porn, just it, like kind of in, in in reaction to all the, you know, that the, the, that a lot of the porn that's made out there is made for men and isn't really about the women at all. So, you know, what I would find interesting is if there's if there's if this is a similar behavior across genders. Or if it's more focused, you know, for social reasons, more to women or more to men to watch porn that's kind of outside of their their realms.
0: I think that'd be a really cool study to do that I don't have an answer for. (laughs) So with that, don't feel like, oh God, I'm becoming a lesbian. I don't understand my sexuality. It's totally fine if you're straight and you like lesbian porn. Just watch your porn and enjoy it. Don't try to analyze your sexuality too much and get all hung up on it. Don't
1: overanalyze your porn.
0: Yeah, don't overanalyze your porn.
1: All
0: right, so Sean, 26, from Colorado. I had a medical surgery when I was in my teens. It saved my life, but I'm totally medically incognit, And it is necessary for me to be in diapers for the rest of my life. Please don't laugh at me on the show. It's not funny to have to wear Adult diapers 24-7. I'm also a dumb. These two things about me don't connect, and I can't seem to find a submissive who can look past the diapers. Is there hope for me, or am I just going to have to suck up a vanilla relationship or being alone?
1: Well, I think there's a couple of things here. I mean, I I think first the answer is no. Um, I don't think you have to suck up being alone. There are, uh, I've run into in my time in the scene, plenty of people on both ends. Of the, uh, of the scale, who have had some kind of disability and have found good partners. I mean, people they were happy with and people who accepted them for who they are. I think any time that you have uh, a disability or, or something like that, that it's uh, it's harder to find somebody. I mean, I think you're automatically making it harder to find somebody, but I don't think that makes it impossible. Uh, and I, I will say, you know, and I, I can see, so I, I tend more towards the... Uh, I play a lot on the top, but I, I, you know, uh, do stuff more on the submissive end when it comes to power exchange. And, you know, I I can see where, as a submissive, um, you know, that might be a hair off-putting. But the thing is, whenever you have a dom, you know, there's one of those things where once you get past somebody that you just see and screw around with on the weekends, real life kicks in and the fantasy kinds of go out the window— and everybody has something that, you know, detracts from that perfect dom image that you have in your head. I mean, Cassie, since we've been together, has had a lot of injuries, a lot of surgery, a lot of time that she's been bedridden and needed to be taken care of. And that's just that's just part of life. But you learn that that is something, again, that you run into in every relationship. There's always something where that person is not going to meet that perfect Dom figure you have in your head. And that I think actually goes just beyond having to take care of somebody to just how everyday life works once you're with somebody for a long period of time.
0: Yeah. And I think really there's a lot of opportunity out there to find a partner who is going to be able to overlook that. Because especially if they are experienced as a submissive, have been in relationships, they will have seen, as Rigel was just explaining, that life does happen to power exchange, no matter how much we try to avoid it. Life does happen. People are not perfect. And so I think it will be not so hard to find somebody, especially if they're more experienced, to overlook that. And I think that one of the things that you as a dom want to do is to also provide possible prospects with the with showing them how you are competent in other ways as being a dom, not necessarily saying that, you know, the diaper thing makes you incompetent. But I think a lot of times people, when they see someone who has a disability, associate that, and it's not right, it's wrong, it's a totally crappy way of looking at it. But a lot of people associate that with not being able to be competent in a relationship for X, Y, and Z reasons. So showing, you know, what are your talents as a Dom? What are your talents as a top? Uh, What can you bring to the table? And just making sure that you're showing those things.
1: And competence is sexy, right Cassie? Because
0: competence is sexy.
1: (laughs) Our next question is from Mandy 21, Maryland. Hi, touch of flavor. I am a Caucasian lesbian top. I am not a Dom. It's just a physical thing in the bedroom or at a play party thing. Perfectly fine. I am only attracted to African-American or those of Hispanic or Indian descent. To be bluntly honest, I find dark skin tone sexy. So am I racist? Is this wrong of me? If I'm not racist, is it something I should have on a dating profile? All
0: right. So to start with the racist question. No, um, being attracted to a certain specific aspect of a person does not make you a racist. And I think we all get very sensitive around this subject, but let's take it off the race thing. If I was to say that I prefer women who are taller or shorter, no one would have a problem with that. If I say I prefer girls with blue eyes versus green eyes, no one would have a problem with that. As soon as we start talking about skin tone, people start to freak out. And I think it's a little misplaced. Racism is more of a thought process of I don't think this person is deserving of or whatever because of their skin tone. But what you're or I
1: think that they are deserving of because of their skin tone.
0: Yeah, but what you're attracted to is what you're attracted to. Um, that's just how it is. You find certain skin tones more attractive. So the blunt answer is no. It's fine. It's fine to find a certain particular type of person more attractive.
1: And we get, well, we get a lot of these questions from the other end. I mean, I think we had something recently about weight. That was a a similar question and it's again, I mean, you can be attracted to certain type of people. I I think where the problem comes in is when you start thinking less of other types of people because they don't meet your, whatever you're looking for, but just to be attracted to who you're attracted to. Uh, I don't think it's a problem when I, I think everybody has a type to a certain extent, right? So I have a type, uh, I've broken out of that type many a time, certainly. But there there does have to be a certain level of physical attractiveness. Okay, so I don't think it's racist. I don't think it's wrong of you. Uh, now, is it something you should have on a dating profile? I would say probably not for a couple of reasons. First off, I don't think that there's a way you're going to put that that's going to come across well in a dating profile. Uh, I think that that is thing one.
0: Also, it can really limit you. So when you say, I like Hispanic or Indian descent or African-American, you say you like darker skin tones, but that's a wide range of skin tones. Like it, it just is. So you might be finding yourself limiting yourself to a very small pool of people because you may have people who say, oh, well, I'm light skinned, so I don't apply, or I'm really dark skinned, so I don't apply. And that's kind of taking away from your ability to have more people that you're interacting with. If you don't find someone attractive after they message you, just say, hey, I'm not interested. That's better than listing something that can be turning away a lot of potential partners that may fit into that. Because you may find that, like, we all have a type and we might say, okay, this is what my type is. But a lot of times we kind of go outside of that.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, I I mean, the thing about limiting yourself is for most of us, even though we have a type, those things flex a lot. So I I could sit here and I could tell you my type, right? And then I could tell you that almost no girl I've ever dated has fit perfectly into that, Uh, you know, and I've also found as I've gotten, as I've gone on in my journey, that um, there has to be sort of a, a base level of physical attractiveness for me. But once once you meet that, there's a combination of attractiveness that is a combination of physical and personality and, and how I interact with somebody that way. And as a result of that, I've wound up dating a lot of people who were very sexy and were not my type. Uh, so, you know, I think the other issue with doing that is that you, you shut yourself off for a lot of relationships that you, you may, maybe good things in your life. So, you know, I I think it's nice to be able to leave that option, open, at least to strike up a conversation. And then if there is chemistry there and there is attractiveness there, you can, you can go on, but I, I wouldn't list it on there for, for those reasons.
0: So Kevin from PA, would it be unethical to actively seek out a relationship with an asexual woman for companionship and cuddles? I'm poly and straight but do not have a super high sex drive and enjoy non-sexual side of relationships. So for me, it would be an ideal situation. Just not sure if it would be right to ask someone to be in the same situation as me.
1: Okay, so I find I, I actually find this question kind of interesting, and I, I'm not I'm not sure why you think it would be unethical because you don't say that you're going to actively seek out a relationship with a sexual woman and want her to be asexual, you say, would it be unethical to actually seek out a relationship with an asexual woman? So basically what you're asking is would it be unethical to seek out a woman who wants those things? Uh And and if she wants those things, there's no way it would be wrong to ask somebody to be in that situation for you. So that would that'd be my first thing. You know, you're, you're basically, you're saying you're looking for somebody who wants what you're looking for. So you're not imposing on them at all. Uh, and there are, Plenty of asexual people out there who have wonderful relationships.
0: Now, that being said, the only way it would be unethical is if you were hiding that you are asexual and were hoping to find someone that you liked and change them into being in an asexual relationship, which that would be the more... Thing to be concerned with. So as long as you're putting it out there, and that's what you're seeking, and that's what you're being honest about, it's not unethical.
1: Yeah. And now this is this is one of those situations too where being poly can be a benefit, right? Because depending on how your relationships are structured and what you're okay with, you don't necessarily have to wait to find somebody who's uh, asexual either. I mean, if that person is able to get their sexual needs met. Uh, in other relationships or somewhere else, then, you know, it might even be a workable situation for you to date a more sexual person because they are getting those needs met and they may be perfectly fine with having a more asexual, cuddly, romantic relationship with you.
0: Yeah. I mean, our relationship's a good example of that. Um, our partner is less sexual and is not necessarily as a uh, Sex-hungry, as she would describe, our, our needs. So we're able to kind of take out our sexual frustration on each other and have more of a cuddly, lovey, uh, I don't want to say platonic, but
1: physically— More platonic.
0: More platonic relationship. and More platonic
1: works. than we would be able to do otherwise.
0: Yeah, if, if there wasn't a relationship where we were getting our sexual means, needs met.
1: So that, that's one of the great things about polyamory is that it can do a lot. I mean, there's mismatched sex drives in every relationship, and we have an episode on bridging the desire gap that I'll link to in the show notes where we talk about this. But honestly, one of the simplest solutions for that, for for when there is a severe mismatch in sex drives, is polyamory. If, if that's an option for you, that's a great way to do it. So, no, it's, it's great that you're looking for somebody— uh, who is asexual that I think is a great would be a great fit for you if you'd find somebody like that you certainly wouldn't be asking them to give anything up but at the same time you may find that a more sexual person could work for you depending on how your your poly structure is arranged Our next question is from Edward 26 from Virginia I am a bi cis male if that is relevant I get told all the time that size doesn't matter but whenever I share my size before being intimate My date seems to disappear or suddenly change her mind. A previous partner wanted to try double penetration. So I bought a strap on and I've since acquired a better one. But would that be a turnoff to know a guy voluntarily prefers to use a strap on during sex? So I think there's honestly a whole bunch of things here. So first off, when Edward asked us this question, he actually included his size in the, uh, in the question. And we deleted it. And the reason that we deleted it is because just coming out and being like, hey, here's how big I am to people you don't know or barely know is kind of weird. It's kind of like sending an unsolicited dick pic. Uh, So the first problem may be how you're bringing it up or that you're bringing it up at all.
0: Yeah, it can really throw somebody off if, you know, you're just starting to hang out with them or just going out on a date. And you're like, by the way, I am blank amount of inches and centimeters. What do you think about that? Especially before being intimate with them. So it might not really be what your size is, but the way that you're bringing it up. Women in particular get squeamish when men start talking about anatomy, like early on in dates or in relationships before they even have sex.
1: Right. So I think, I think there's a couple of things. I think A, the way you're bringing it up, uh, the fact that you're even bringing it up at all. I have never in any relationship that I've been in told somebody my dick size. Uh, At some point, they're going to find out and they're either going to be happy with it or they're not. But bringing it up to them being like, here's how big I am is kind of strange. That's thing one. Thing two, I think that a lot of guys, especially when most of their sexual exposure is to porn, get a unrealistic expectation of what penis size is. Average penis size is. When, when erect lengthwise is like four point seven to six point three inches, you're smack in the middle of average, okay. And I think that a lot of people, because they watch so much more, you know, the vast majority of the bell curve falls somewhere in that range. Um, and people just think that they should expect more than yeah. I can't post your face, unfortunately, with, but they they think that they should expect more than is realistic. So that. I think, I think another thing is just confidence, and confidence on two fronts. A, confidence on the fact that you are actually average, and pretty much right in the middle of average. And B, uh, confidence from the fact that there's still plenty of stuff you can do, and you don't necessarily need that big a dick to do what you need to do anyways.
0: I'm not going to say size doesn't matter, but... It's one of those things where you can still do a lot, even if you're small. And as Rigel just said, you're in the middle of average. No one's going to pull out like a tape measure and be like, you are blank amount of inches. This isn't going to rock my boat. Like that. Well,
1: is... but if they do, they were assholes anyways.
0: Yeah. So really, I feel like that whole conversation about what your size is, things like that. Really just let the person find out. When you're at a point where you're intimate and getting ready to get jiggy with it, they'll figure it out. On the other side of that, you're talking about strap-ons and preferring to use strap-ons. That's perfectly fine if that's what you prefer.
1: If that's what you prefer, but I will just say again that I doubt that that is something that you have to do to perform for your partner. Like I said, A, your ears smack in the middle of average. If, if, you, if that's something you enjoy, awesome if we have other people who are listening to this who maybe really, really are on the very small size, I mean, A, you know, only, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about sensation. I know they say only the first couple inches have nerve endings and I'll let you, if you want to say anything on that whole end of it.
0: I will say for certain people, it matters and certain people, it doesn't. I'm not going to say yes, no, maybe so. Certain people require certain things. Some people like humongous cocks. Some people like small cocks. Some people like average size cocks. So, What I would say is, is if you are on the smaller end and you are not able to meet the needs of your partner or be able to meet the needs of what you want to do with your partner
1: with your penis,
0: with your penis, then a strap-on might be an option.
1: But so would oral and fingering and sex toys and some of the people I know who are the best at pleasing women are built kind of smaller.
0: Yeah. And basically just think of your fingers, toys dildos, strap-ons, whatever, as an extension of yourself, as a way to grow your sexual uh prowess if you will. Don't think of it as a replacement for who you are or as a as an incompetence thing. Think of it as another thing that you can add to help out you and your partner to have a good time. And if you are interested in strap-ons, that sort of thing, something you might want to check out, me and Jackie had a uh Podcast episode completely on Strap on One Hundred and One. Uh, it was uh, episode eighteen. So if you're really interested in in pursuing that or trying that out, you can check that out. We'll put that in the show notes. So our last question is from Michael, thirty six, from Maryland. When someone asks you to play at a play party or an event, is it okay to say no outright before hearing what type of scene they have in mind and what they might like to do? Yes. Yep.
1: I do it all the time.
0: If you're not interested, you're not interested. You don't have to hear somebody's explanation of what kind of play they want or what kind of scene they want to do if you're not interested. And that's based on if they're not somebody that you're interested in for whatever reason, if you're just not physically attractive or whatever reason, it's perfectly fine to say no. If you want to have a further conversation and listen to what they're offering, for example, myself, I have a lot of people that my first instinct is probably not, I probably don't want to play with this person, but I have had people who I've humored by listening to what they had to offer. And it was things that I was interested in doing. And I was like, okay, that's something I wouldn't mind doing with you. There's a lot of other things I wouldn't do with you, but that's something that I I might be interested in. So if it's not a, I completely don't want to, then sure, hear them out. But if you really just don't want to play with somebody, period, then just say no, and it's fine.
1: I don't even have anything to add to that. I'm I'm not even going to say anything. I'm just going (laughs) to cut what I just said out. (laughs) All right, folks, thanks for listening. So uh, we would love to get your questions, and we love answering these. These Q&As are some of our favorite episodes. If you want to send yours in, you can go to atouchofflavor.com forward slash ask. That's atouchofflavor.com forward slash ask. There's a form there. It actually sends us emails now.
0: We promise it will not go to the upside down anymore.
1: Uh, You can call our voicemail line at 833-ASK-TOF1. That's 833-ASK-TOF1. You can leave us a message there. And if we pick your question, we will actually play your question on the air. So those are a lot of fun. We have a great time with those. If you want to sign up for our mailing list, you can find out about our next event. Or you want to get these podcast episodes, whatever the case may be. Uh, You can go to the show notes at atouchofflavor.com forward slash zero two one, And we look forward to seeing you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask. Or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-T-O-F-1.
1: God, I just, I'm going to zip tie. These cords, they're annoying me. I hate cards. ah. They're annoying the fuck out of me, man. That one's
0: not even like, attached to anything. No. <laughs>
1: I zip tie the bitch. I got the zip ties. They're sitting right there. And part of me just wants to zip tie them now. But I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I can do it. You all right? No. Get the dog away from the door, please. He keeps kicking it. And <laughs> I can hear his gums flapping in the mic. The cat has been extremely well-behaved. That's only because he's sleeping. I know. He's sleeping in the box. Hold on. Just a picture of our cat in the box.
0: We keep trying to tell people to have relationships outside the box, and the cat keeps climbing himself right on into one.
1: Yep.